0: We are in March on the Mike Abadir Show.
1: March Madness upon us. One of my favorite months of the year. I guess my favorite, Mike, because this is the month that I was born. Oh, yeah, it's the best month of the year. We are here on the Mike (laughs) Abadir Show, and I believe we have a a guest right away today. So we don't have a whole lot of time to dilly-dally. Why don't you introduce our first guest?
2: Yeah, one of the fun times about this time of year, like you're talking about, is uh, the Combine would have been wrapped up, and uh, we are at the dawn of uh, free agency. So let's talk about one of uh, the teams that we enjoy talking about, one of the better teams in the NFL, the New Orleans Saints. We've got one of their beat writers from NOLA.com and The Times and the New Orleans Advocate, Luke Johnson. Luke, good afternoon. How are you, Luke?
3: Hey, I'm doing great, and uh, good job spitting out the uh, the mouthful of – of a name that is the (laughs) publication I work for. It's really tough.
2: (laughs) Yeah, it's the the triad, right? So uh, uh, let's let's get right to it, though. Um, You know, uh, Mickey and company from the Saints, I would think, have kind of a fun opportunity in front of them here. And the reason I say it's fun is because you've got a really good team on both sides of the ball. Now it's just about finding ways to improve it here and there to get the team over the hump and into the Super Bowl. You know, what's, what's kind of the vibe like that you sense, you know, uh, di- just during the, this uh, off season period on through free agency.
3: Well, you know, honestly, I expect this to be a uh, kind of a, kind of a stressful season for them. I, I, they, have, they have an opportunity, I think, to, to continue putting the pieces in place that can, that can get this team to, uh, to the next level. I, I think last year's team uh, was actually even better than the 18 team, uh, just considering everything they had to overcome to get to the point, which is why the the wild card loss to Minnesota was so shocking. Um, you know, But in the same vein, they've got not only a, a, a handful of core guys who are about to hit free agency, um, but then they've got another group behind them um, that is coming up on free agency, guys. That were in the the twenty seventeen draft class specifically, um, who are going to need to get paid soon, uh, or they're going to need to make some really tough decisions on these guys. So, I think this this particular off season is is especially crucial for them to to nail, um, because you know, Drew's coming back. They might only have one more year, of Drew. Um, they got guys coming up uh, with big paydays. They've got guys like Von Bell who they've got to make a decision on in this particular free agent class. I think there's some uncertainty around what's going to happen with Taysom Hill, uh, especially if they can't extend him before uh, before uh, get the, they need to put a, a free a restricted free agent tag on him or a tender on him. Um, yeah, I think it's there's there's a lot of different ways this offseason could could unfold for uh, for the New Orleans Saints. Uh, it's going to be really interesting seeing how they kind of piece everything together in the coming months.
2: So it, sound, it sounds kind of like, you know, what maybe the general public might perceive as, hey, it's, it's got to be a fun, fun time to to uh, be able to kind of just uh, fine tune things. Sounds like it's a little bit stressful from the free agency yeah. side of things. What about from the uh, amateur draft? What about the combine? What are some of the guys? Well, first, what are some of the needs that um, you've kind of identified or you've heard from your sources and from watching tape that the Saints kind of need to address at the top of the list?
3: Yeah, so I, I think there's some pretty clear, um, some pretty clear areas where they could they could get stronger. Um, one, we've been talking about them adding another receiver to the mix for the last couple of years now. Um, I think everybody's beating down their doors saying you need a, a number two beyond Mike Thomas. I, I think Traquan Smith led the led the receivers not named Michael Thomas in catches last year with like 28. Uh so they need they need another option there. Even though Jared Cook and Alvin Kamara had a ton of value in the passing game, um just that, that second that second weapon at the receiver position just has felt for a couple of years now like it was it was the missing element of this offense. Uh so I think that's number one. And it's it's a really good year if you need a receiver, uh, to be looking at it in the draft. Uh, so yeah, you don't it's it's a good good look there. far from home
2: too with uh, Jefferson just right around the street down uh, the street.
3: Yeah, uh, I, I think Jefferson would be crazy good in this offense. The only, the only thing is, after after his combine performance, I don't even know if he's going to be there at 24. They might have to trade up uh, to get to that spot, and they don't exactly have a lot of draft capital. They've got five five picks in this year's draft, and, and they don't have a second-rounder. Uh, so it's it, it seems like a good time for them to, to maybe trade back and accumulate some picks, and there's going to be a lot of receivers there early in the draft and there'd be a lot of receivers there in the middle of the draft. You're thinking maybe this would be the year, but then you remind yourself that uh, Mickey Loomis and company have not traded back in the draft since 2007. So uh, I'll be, I'm not holding my breath uh, for that to happen. Um, I think they could probably use uh, some, some interior offensive line help. Um, I think the expectation around here is that, uh, that they're going to let Andres Pete um, test the market and, um, I don't know if it's, if, if it's as cut and dry as saying they're going to let him walk, um, because if he doesn't have a, a very good market, maybe they can get him back at a, at a, a reasonable price uh, that they're willing to pay. But if that doesn't happen, I, I think we could expect him to, to maybe in the third, fourth, fifth round to, to look at some of these interior offensive line prospects. Um, I think some of the better ones would be available at that time. Um Linebacker is is one that I think they have to address just because uh, AJ Klein's a free agent, um, yeah, they might have to make a tough decision on Kiko Alonso who's coming off a, a torn ACL. And he's got an eight million dollar cap hit. Uh, Alex Antolini only played two games last year. Um, they could use some help there, uh, and and I, I think uh, yeah, last year we saw him basically shuffle a bunch of guys in a, alongside Demario Davis because they dealt with so many injuries. Uh, so they could use somebody there, and I think. Uh, cornerback and or safety uh, could be another target area that, for them to target just because of the guys they have in free agency. Um, so those, those are kind of the, the places I've been zeroing in on uh, as I've been preparing, looking up uh, guys for this draft.
1: Luke, what is the like the fan base's um, kind of psyche like right now? The last couple years, I mean, prior to this year, just you know, with the Minnesota loss and then the loss with the Rams, just – losing and ending your season in, like, the worst, most extreme way possible. And then you have a year like this year where I think a lot of us felt like New Orleans was one of the favorites and one of the, like, on a very short top-tier list of the best teams in football. And, And there were no, you know, tough beat story at the end of this year. It was just, they just got beat up by a team that probably wasn't as good as them, to be honest. What's just kind of the overall, like, mental state of the fan base right now or you know the people that you're seeing and interacting with in social media and uh, the Saints fans
3: yeah i think the uh, the one word to sum it up would be fatalistic <laughs> i think everybody's <laughs> just uh, just looking for uh looking for the way everything can can go wrong um yeah, even even last year when they were they were 13 and 3 and they played five games without Drew Brees they played a bunch of games about starting offensive linemen and they were just finding ways to win it felt like this was a this was a super bowl team yeah. um even that I, I feel like everybody's just waiting for 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 the hammer to fall uh, yeah just the the way that the last couple seasons have ended have been really really tough around here uh, cuz people are so passionate about the saints here it is it is really legitimately the the one thing that really ties this community together and um yeah i, I think that's had a, it's had a definite impact on, on the fan base psyche. But the important thing is, um, I don't believe it has had the same impact on the team itself. Um, I think for the last couple of years now, we've been, every, everybody's made the story at the beginning of the year. Like how are the saints going to bounce back? And then they go 13, three, make it to the NCAA championship game. How are they going to bounce back from getting that ripped out of their hands? They go 13, three with five games without yeah. Drew Brees. I, I just think, Sean Payton does a, a really good job of getting that team focused on the here and now, um and and the, the past failures or uh heartbreaks or whatever of previous seasons. I, I don't think they really matter around here. So for the fans it's one thing, for the team it's another, and I think that's important.
2: Hey Luke, I know you gotta you gotta get going and we'll hopefully be able to bring you on for a, a longer uh segment whenever uh you've got some additional time to make for us, but wanted to ask you a question out the, out the door here in terms of the guys that performed at the elite level of the combine, we're still looking at chase young and Joe Burrow as, as you know, the two of the best players in the entire draft. Obviously it's going to depend on need on a team by team basis as to whether you go on the offensive or defensive side of the ball but when you look at your crystal ball, 10 years from now, who do you project as the perennial pro bowler between those two? Uh, man, I, having having spent all season
3: watching Joe Burrow do the things he did, um, I'd have a really, really hard time picking against that guy. And it's not just that, that he's a tremendous football player, and he is, uh, but he's got Absolutely. The superstar mentality. Uh, I think he has all of the right attributes that you need to play quarterback at a high level in the NFL in between his ears. And I think that's one of the most important things to have. In addition to that, obviously you need to be able to throw the ball and you need to be able to process the defense and all that kind of stuff. But there are a lot of people who have those physical traits who don't have it between the ears and they can't cut it. And I think Joe has the best of both worlds, and I think he's going to be a, a tremendous quarterback as long as Cincinnati doesn't find a way to break him.
2: Good stuff there, man. Uh, that's, that's high praise. Sounds like he's uh, deserving of it. Luke, let our listeners know where they could follow you on social media and beyond.
3: Yeah, you can uh, follow me on Twitter, at Luke Johnson. Um, most of my tweets are okay. Some of them are really good, uh, <laughs> and uh, a handful are bad, but I'm, I'm working on it. And you can read all my stuff at NOLA.com.
2: Thanks, Luke. Luke. Thank you, my friend. All right. Thanks, guys. That's Luke Johnson.
1: Well, he's Check better, him if, out. If most of his tweets are okay, he's better than you, right? Because none of your tweets are okay. Exactly. <laughs> I'm just kidding. He, he'll
2: have me. T- uh, yeah. No. Yeah. And, and you know what? And he is a uh, – he's one of those uh, – you know, I'll give, I'll give the Saints – Beat writers, uh, a little bit of praise here. Most of them are really good and they provide good insight into the locker room dynamic, the players off field and their interests. Things of that nature. They're not homers either,
1: you know. They're, they're not homers like, either. They, they're, a- they're, they can be critical if they need to be, but but they can dish out praise when need be. Because exactly, New Orleans has been a very good organization, you know, for a while now. They're they're constantly one of the top teams in the NFL. They win a lot of games, but the truth is, they really haven't been able to win as many big games. You like with this group with Drew Brees and Sean Payton, you put them together. You would expect them when it was all said and done to have had a couple of Super Bowls, most likely. So when you start getting towards the end of their careers and you start kind of looking at like timelines, it would maybe be a little bit disappointing if they would only have that one.
2: Absolutely, I I completely agree with you. Especially too because you're talking about uh, two. Drew Brees played in in almost like two distinct eras of Saint football, right? you know, every 10 years, every decade, there's huge turnover with a team. You know, him and I think Morstead are the only guys from the original Super Bowl. Maybe there's one more. So it's a brand new team. So he played in two different eras, if you want to call it that. And to have walked away with one Super Bowl from the first tranche and then none, not even an appearance in the second, when in my opinion, I think the grouping of the second is probably even better than the first. Yeah, I agree. that's, That's tough pill to swallow. And Hey, look, man. We've seen that, you know, Dan Marino and the Dolphins. Same thing for appearance in the first, you know, first full season, and then that was it. Uh, I mean, Cam Newton's probably going to be the same thing for him. You know, one, 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 and and that's it. It's uh, it's just tough to get to the Super Bowl. But you would think that at least, even if they didn't win, you would think that they'd be getting there a couple and, times. Uh, it just, ha- yeah, and it just hasn't happened. The one thing that I'll. uh, and and once again, big thank you to Luke Johnson. The one thing that I would uh, slightly disagree with him on is, um, you know, he classified it as stressful. I classified it as, you know, business fun, if there is such a thing. Only because, I mean, how much stress do you have when you're winning 12, 13 games every year versus there are teams that haven't made the playoffs in a decade or haven't yep. won the playoff game in forever? I'd much rather be in the position of fine-tuning and figuring out what to do with some of the big contracts, then having to rebuild—it's like the Dodgers. Know, three to They're very comparable years. to
1: the Dodgers. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and at least yeah. the, the
2: Dodgers have been to the World
1: Series a couple times recently. But you know, like, I get a lot of people who want analogy. You, you want to kind of like tell me that the Dodgers are like chokers or this or that, and I just kind of have a hard time. When getting there every year is hard. Like the difference between getting there and winning it all isn't that much. It's like you said, it's just like fine-tuning a couple small things. Like. You know, you're not going to win it all if you can't get there every year to start. So that's the first, you know, like the first domino. You have to get there. You have to have a team that's good enough to put yourself in contention to make the playoff and to make a playoff run every year. And then a lot of times, I mean, it's like football. We've seen it, you know, and in and, and baseball, I think of the major sports because you know, baseball can be an absolute crapshoot. We saw what happened last year. You get a hot team that has good pitching. And they can, you know, they can beat anybody in a small series. They can beat anybody in a, in a seven-game series. And then in football, it's one game. It's not like basketball where generally the best team win over a seven-game series, you know, multiple times all the way through. It, it's just th- there can be some kind of crazy parity come playoff
2: time. There really can. Sure thing. Let me ask you a question. Would you rather be... Let's say the um, the Atlanta Braves of uh, you know a few the years 90s, back when they yeah. were winning you know fifteen division titles out of sixteen years or whatever it was, or would you rather be the uh, Florida Marlins and win a World Series, and disband then, and then maybe retool and win one more as the Florida Marlins. And then uh, become the Miami Marlins and and basically have just sucked every year. But those two two years,
1: I'd always rather be the team that's in it every year. Always I kind of would, be. too. And I think some people might call us crazy, but no, because I hate bad years. Me, too. It, well, because you just know you don't have a chance so many different years when you're when you're rooting for or when that's that's your team. Right. It's it's like the Giants and the Dodgers. Over the last, you know, 10-15 years, the Giants have a couple World Series wins. The Dodgers don't. But the Dodgers every year are giving themselves an opportunity. Like, how many of these years have the Giants been done by the All-Star break and have sure. legitimately no opportunity? And those are the people that kind of, you know, get at me as a Dodger. You know, like want to debate with me or kind of say, oh, the Dodgers stink, or they choke, or this or that." You know, and it's like, well, I'd rather getting there matters. Like, you you don't just. Sh- flip a switch and then show up in the playoffs. <laughs> Where are the other 25 teams? Y- you know
2: what yeah, I mean? Like- well, and that's a good point. And here's the other thing too, is when, when let's just you continue on the uh, Dodgers discussion, when you have a team that's good for a decade, you can connect with the team. Mm-hmm. You can connect with them well, because there's a storyline. You could follow that storyline. It builds from one year to the next and that connection is with core players, you know, the guys that have been there throughout, the guys that have the come in in the middle, correct? The guys who come in in the middle, the rookies who have added been added to the team along the way, the free agents that have been added to the team along the way. It's there's some continuity along with the evolutionary process that is baseball. When you're talking about like the, shes the Marlins as an example, you know teams that won each World Series. I mean, for heaven's sake, Josh Booty was on, on the first one, <laughs> you know, that won the World Series, mm-hmm. you know, and, and you, you know, you have Sheffield and different guys in each of the World Series. I don't even know if there was a single player that was on both, you know, and, and in between, you had a lot of retooling, a lot of trades, you know, Piazza over there for a week, you know, just all sorts of craziness because of the rebuilds. So was there really ever a connection I mean, do you think that the people in Miami are like, oh, you got to bring that you know, 2003 team for a reunion? Because no. we love them so much? Heck no. No.
1: no. Heck Not at no. All.
2: So, and
1: we, and we feel and this they probably way have if- never had
2: a reunion even. <laughs> you know what I mean? I haven't heard of one at least. No. Maybe they have. But and I think it,
1: with with both of these teams that we're talking about too with New Orleans, we're, I know we're going to get ready to take a break in a, in a second and we can kind of keep on this conversation but with, with both New Orleans and with, with the Dodgers, it's like anything, right? There are a lot of Factors that go into why you don't Lose and it always feels like there's like Four or five different things it's kind of Like a perfect storm to why you don't win You know you know we've talked about some Of the bad beats for New Orleans whether It be like a fluke play like at the last Second against the Vikings or a bad call The next year against the Rams or maybe One year you just kind of have a weird Matchup you know like this year against The Vikings which is kind of like how The Dodgers were with the Nationals but um, it, it there are like weird things that that Seem to happen so to kind of Prevent them from winning and then you know you look at the Dodgers And and now we don't even really Know what happened those two years they made The World Series which stinks like maybe Those were the two years that the Dodgers Were the best teams or maybe Even the one year in 2017 when They were the best team that was supposed to Be their year to win the World Series and They didn't and now you know it's Like you said it's hard to win You can't just you know Say magic spell I'm in The World Series again you know, you have to beat the other 30 teams that are trying to do the same thing. So it's very, it's a funny topic. And, and I didn't ever even realize that how too kind of similar these two teams were um,
2: into completely different sports until we just started talking about it now. Yeah, very interesting. Well, let's take a commercial break, Gino, and uh, we'll pick up on the conversation about the combine and uh, the CBA. Stay with us. We will be right back.
1: Follow us on Twitter at Voice TRN Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's Voice America TRN.
0: Want to play the ponies and win? At Winning Ponies, we go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, and handicappers. The Winning Ponies radio show with John Englehart, racing's regular guy, is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies handicapping website. Catch us live every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Win prizes just for calling in. Have we got a high-energy, all-access sports show for you. It's Outside the Huddle, starring Leemond Williams. Each week, join Leemond as he takes callers, discusses the week's top stories in the world of sports, and sits down with active and former players to discuss their transition from sports to business. Outside the Huddle is a great resource for players making career transitions both on and off the field. Tune in Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 Central, and 5 Pacific for Outside the Huddle on the Voice America Sports Channel. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to mike at the show.com Now, back to this week's program. Back here on the Mike Abadir Show. That was a, a nice first segment. We got
1: to talk uh, and kind of transition a little bit from football into baseball and Mike we're going to continue to talk a little more baseball the next few weeks because man with all the Astros cheating talk we've kind of forgot that there's actually games being played right now you know spring training games are being played and we're not too far off from the actual season starting
2: yeah you know that that's that's a good point I was kind of thinking about that the other day when I opened my first spring training box score hadn't done so and I was like you know what it's the first time I've taken a look. Yeah. It's the first time I've actually given some serious thought to uh, my fantasy auction, my National League-only fantasy auction that's coming up in a few weeks because we've been, like you said, focused on the Astros situation and the ripple effect through the big leagues. Um, but, hey, baseball still, still goes on, and uh, deals are still happening. In fact, the uh, White Sox reached an extension with uh, – uh, Moncato for $70 million. Um, so that's that's kind of one of the big pieces of news today. Uh, as well as uh, the Yankees and their ace, Cole, gave up four dingers in two innings today. Not sure that necessarily means a whole hell, hell of a lot. But when you're getting paid that much, even your spring training outings are going to make headlines.
1: Microman, especially in New York. Yeah, Especially oh yeah. in New York. Yeah. and And especially this year now with Severino. There's going to be even more pressure on him now with the Yankees finding out that Severino's, you know, dealing with a major, major injury. And, like, a big part of their the, – one of their weaknesses already coming into the year was their their pitching. Do they have enough starting pitching? Do they, is they have enough depth on their pitching staff? And
2: right off the bat, that's an issue they're going to have to deal with all year. Well, you know, the funny thing is, you know, the uh, obviously you never celebrate an injury. But if the Red Sox had anything to sort of exhale about in this offseason, they're like, well – at least, even though the Yankees got Cole, you know, their ace going into this season, Severino's hurt. Maybe we've got a you know outside chance, and then a week later they find out that their ace is uh, going through some difficult times as well. Tommy John surgery. It's yep. not looking good right now. Keeping our fingers crossed, but it looks like you know um, that sale investment is uh, is not really going to pan out, man.
1: No. Hey, that that's the one they put a lot of money into. So, what are your like some of your? We we and we've talked a lot about the Red Sox and the Dodgers, but we've talked about them from a trade perspective. What are your your kind of just kind of big picture thoughts on the Red Sox right now before the season starts?
2: I think that they might do a little bit better than than people realize. I mean, sure. it, the team wasn't, you know, just Mookie Betts and not, and 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 the, he carried the team, and that they didn't have any other talent. You know, I mean, they still have the core of the World Series team intact, so they've got a lot of really good pieces. Uh, with that said, I think that they're going to probably score a, gu- a good a good, amount of runs and also give up a good amount of runs, too. Um, it, you know, where where it all kind of fits in, in the American League picture, you know, I think that they could compete for a wild card. You know, I don't think they, they've dropped off that much that they're all of a sudden going to be a 500 team necessarily. So, but so who are, are we? Talking most teams about have gotten sword? better, and, and you know, that, look, most most of the teams that needed to get better got better, and and they did not, and and that's really the biggest problem that they have in an ultra competitive American and and National League. Man, I mean, teams teams are either getting better through free agency or through their farm system, and when your farm system's depleted, when you're getting injuries, and when you're losing guys to free a- agency. It's not the best recipe. You know what I mean?
1: It No, and and another team who, like, pitching wise, like if if you told me the Red Sox made the the you know, the playoffs and they were a wildcard team, it wouldn't surprise me. I would just assume that they they won a lot of, you know, six, four, seven, yeah. five type games. Sure. You know, I just don't think they're gonna be the team shutting a lot of teams down, which is fine because they're built to be to outhitch you anyways. Even even getting rid of Mookie. Um, they're still, they're still built and still deep enough, you know, offensively and, and to produce a little bit. I just, um, so when we're, when we're looking at them it, and we're talking about them kind of battling for a wild card, it'll, it would probably be with teams like, um, you know, maybe like the Angels, the Rays, um, maybe the Indians in that mix, um, Th- those would probably be the teams that they're going to be kind of right there, hopefully, kind of battling with for a wild
2: card spot. Well, I think the American League West is going to have a big say on things because let's see what kind of effect that that the uh, the cheating drama, scandal. yeah, yeah. that the drama had on Houston. The Angels are much improved, much but they're better. all hitting and no pitching, and the Oakland A's are are a well balanced team. They're just always there, and they're going to outperform. Ever really cal-
1: count them out. No. <laughs> they are just always overachieving and always like you scratch your head and they're just better than they
2: should be every yeah, year. Yeah, Exactly. So, you know, um, they were a team that I had as a playoff team last you year. You were way I, higher on them. Than I, me. They were, yeah, I, yeah, I thought they did 500 to slightly below 500. Teams. Yeah. Yep. I remember that. And I, and I think that they're better even this year. Yeah. So agree. the AL West is going to, is going to be really interesting. So, you know, I, I'd say that that would be the division that, um, is most intriguing to me, you know the AL East remember- gets all the headlines, but to me there's not a lot of intrigue because Baltimore's still a ways away, Blue Jays are a ways away, you know the, the uh, Rangers the a- had a, a sneaky good year last year too. They were oh like, yeah oh, a yeah. like mix for a
1: while. And I then, apologize remember, to the
2: state of Texas for forgetting about them. The Rangers aren't a bad team.
1: Remember And remember how good the, the start to the season was for the Mariners? They were 13-2. And, yeah. and then they just hit an absolute crater. But they had one of the best starts in baseball history. And you know what? When you look at their team, they look like they've improved a, a little bit too. So, yeah, I think the whole division is That could be the a, best a, division in, uh, in the be. American League right now. It, I, in the American League, I would absolutely say so. I, I think so. And, um, yeah, so- we'll see is you know it, it's it been fun started to watch spring training games and i'm i'm kind of already locked in a little bit my mom watches every single spring training game every game she's got them recorded you know what you name it she'll watch if they split the games and they're both on she'll watch them both like you so that's funny and she's always got the backstage dodgers on and everything she loves them and the one that's thing awesome. that we've we've been um really hearing over and over and over again is that Man, Mookie Betts is already having Just a huge impact with this Dodgers team He came in right away And and He addressed the team Like a brand new team And basically told everybody Hey, I think that we have to play In spring training When we're in the outfield Doing drills like it's game 7 of the World Series We have to treat Every moment Every out, every at bat Everything And so now they have a they've kind of developed a system where if somebody makes an error or makes like a, a silly play or an overthrow or, or something where they're not ready and they're not prepared, they have to put money into a jar and the team is going to use that money. They said Justin Turner was talking about it, like maybe at the end of the year or, you know, a couple different parts throughout the year, they're going to use that for a team, you know, for the team to all go out to dinner or, you know, have have something fun to celebrate. But Mookie Betts basically came up and, and said, I'm calling all of you guys out right now, even though you're the team who has been one of the best teams in baseball for the last few years. You guys have made the World Series a couple times, but it's not about that. It's about winning it all. I'm going to call all of you out, and I'm going to raise my hand, and I want all of you to hold me accountable for every single thing I do throughout the year. And man, that has really resonated through this clubhouse. Kiki Hernandez, Justin Turner, Stripling, Bellinger, they've all talked about how like that impacted them this team seems like they're very focused i think with all the crap of the the astros cheating and the the who knows what's up with the red Sox, i think this dodgers team kind of has a real chip on their shoulder now they feel like they were cheated and i think they they feel like they're going to be kind of on a mission this year everything with mookie has been just
2: unbelievable and i'm sure you hate hearing all of this yeah (laughs) i mean i do but it doesn't surprise me at all listen i'm going to tell you the difference right now between one type of MVP and another type of MVP. So when you're talking about Mookie Betts or even the Altuve type where they're undersized were not expected to be who they ended up becoming they were underdogs they always had to outperform and out hustle everyone else to get a look those type of players when they change teams typically speaking this is a generalization and it's a I'm kind of stereotyping a little bit here, but work with me on this. They, they have infectious personalities. They bring that work ethic, that hard work ethic, that outperforming type mentality to their, their new club versus another type of MVP. Let's take like a Barry Bonds. Barry Bonds is the type, and I saw him when he came to San Francisco. It wasn't about making the other guys better. It was about, I'm going to bring you my three MVPs, you know, my 300 average, my 35 to 40 home runs at that time, you know, my high stolen base, you know, aptitude and my glove in the outfield, not my arm, my glove. <laughs> uh, and, and because of that, the team is, is going to perform better by having this big bat in the middle of the lineup. But I'm not making everybody better. Do you see the difference? See, Mookie's going to bring his yeah. bat and he's going to bring his defense but he's also going to help everybody else. It's inspi- he's
1: inspiring too. Yes. You see someone who's just a little bit, like you said. I think in and size even has something to do with it, right? Sure. It's like someone who's maybe undersized. You don't feel like they should be as good, but when they go out there and they lay it all out on the line, and and it, it kind of makes you look in the mirror and you go, "Wow, I mean, Mookie Betts, he's an MVP and he's taking it really seriously every single play. I be- I should be
2: doing the same thing." Sure. I you think know, that's that's exactly the message. I mean, and yeah, I mean these guys, you know, the all way types, you know, not a lot was expected out of them because of their size. You know, there's there's a, a metrics in in every sport, right? There's there's this kind of like, a, you know, you know, as a quarterback, you need to be six four and you know two thirty five and so on and so forth. So anytime you got like a Russell Wilson or a Drew Brees or anybody that's like barely six feet tall. They just seem like it doesn't matter what they did in college. It just seems like they are not expected that, you know, they have this underdog mentality. They've had that on from high school on through college. They typically don't have an opportunity to play at the biggest of programs despite their accomplishments. Same thing once they get to the NFL. So you see that in every single sport. And baseball, the beauty of baseball, and Tommy Lasorda used to say this all the time. It doesn't matter where you come from. How big you are, how tall you are, how strong you are, how short you are, how wide you are. Baseball is a beautiful game. It's the world's game because anybody can fit in. Anybody's welcome to play. And everybody has an opportunity to excel. With that said, you still like like to look for those pitchers that are 6'4 and have, you know, those you know big ass, right? Just oh, yeah. like the Roger Clemens type body, yep. be able to push off that rubber, you know. You know, your first baseman, you want him to be 6'4", 6'5", and be able to hit the ball out of the ballpark. You know, a little bit smaller when you're talking about your middle infielders. Although, you know, Nomar Garcia Garciaparra and Alex Rodriguez had something to say about that when they transitioned that position into, you know, more of like a, a center fielder's body at the shortstop position. But, you know, hey, man, Mookie Betts is a tremendous athlete. I mean, the guy can slam dunk like like somebody who's a foot taller than him. He, you know, he's a professional bowler and, uh, you know, all around. Yeah, I saw up, that. And he yeah. was like throwing spirals
1: and like going out and they were just like, man, this guy is a just, uh, just a
2: crazy good athlete. He's, you know, to me, he's really, one of the things that I enjoyed about the Red Sox over the last few years, despite winning a lot of games and, and getting a world series ring was just, they were a fun team to watch in the outfield. They're tremendous in the outfield. I mean, I don't remember a better Red Sox outfield in a in a long time. Maybe maybe if not ever, you know. And uh, and they lost a big piece of that. Obviously, Jackie Bradley's still there, and you know he's known for for his defense too. So um, you know he just doesn't bring the big stick, timely stick sometimes, but not a consistent stick throughout the season. So Dodgers are 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 going to be pretty. Uh, excited with what they get and um, switching gears from the Dodgers. You know, one team that I have high expectations for, Gino, and we'll talk more about it when we do our, you know, MLB preview show is, is a team that both you and I didn't believe in going into last year. And I've kind of, uh, the switch has flipped in my mind. I have a a very different opinion about them now and I'm, I'm very bullish about them now and I can give you my reasons why, but I'm going to hold off on a lot of those until we do our preview show. It's the Atlanta Braves. I am a believer. I think this team is only going to get better. And I, I love the young guys that they have, you know, they're Ozzie Albies and Acuna and guys like that. Freddie Freeman is one of the more underrated players in the entire game. And, um, They've got some young arms, and uh, you know I think that this team is is set up to be like the Dodgers or to be like the Braves of yesteryear.
1: Good for a long. What path. are your thoughts? Yeah. Oh, I, when you go, they made a couple moves this year that probably flew under the radar. But they signed Ozuna, uh, Marcelo Ozuna, which is a huge move for them too. Um, which, which they, they able- needed
2: to do because they lost uh, this Donaldson Stick. Yep. And then and they were able to
1: secure Cole Hamels. As uh, to add a little depth to the pitching staff, which I thought was a, a, a kind of a nice, kind of sneaky move. He's not sure. someone who you maybe want to ask for 30 starts, but come playoff time or come starting a big game or two, I, I'm fine with Cole Hamels, who was having a really, really good year last year for the Cubs until he got hurt late, and then the Cubs kind of started to crater a little bit down the stretch. Which that was actually a team that you and I were right on last year that we didn't think were, was going to be that good, Correct. and they kind of. Kind of struggled down the stretch Mm -hmm. and they kind of, and they spit it out. So I think you're right. I think we're starting to see now a real upper echelon. It feels like in the national league. Um, I think there are, you know, in particular with the Dodgers and the Braves who have been really consistent for a while, things are going to have to like some really crazy things would have to happen for those teams. For them to not be around come playoff time, they'd have to have a ton of injury, or other teams would really have to be, you know, a couple years ahead of their rebuilds, I think, to compete in either division. Now, I think the Braves probably have a little bit more competition in their division just because the division's a little bit better uh, overall. But, you know, the Nationals, I don't think, are going to be better than they were last year. They lost Rendon, you know, right off the bat. That's going to hurt them. Um, I, the Phillies, I, I I never really know with them. I figure they're probably going to be always like a, a 500 to like a little bit over above average team. But I don't know if they have the oomph, the killer instinct yet. We never know what's going to happen with the Mets. They've been kind of a, a shit show for the last five years or so ever since they had that really good squad with the young pitchers that never took the next step forward. Um, and then, you know, the Marlins. So I don't I just don't see like a, a big competitor to them
2: in their division. I agree with everything that you said. I don't think the Nationals are gonna be just as good. In fact, I think that, you know, they were obviously carried by two guys. So, um and, and then and then obviously, you know, Rendon was 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 big and and Soto was big. You know, I'm not downplaying the rest of the team. But, you know, it was it was the two big guns in the pitching staff that really carried this team. You know, obviously when that happens, uh, I'm always a little bit concerned because, you know, let's face it, pitchers, typically speaking, don't have um it's hard. It's hard to to bank on on two guys if they're on the pitching side of the the ball because of injuries. And when you're like somebody like Strasburg, who's had a history of them, um, you know that's always going to be a little bit of a concern. And so, you know, I don't know. Maybe it's just a gut feeling. You know, I don't think the Nationals can replicate what they did. You know, like it was one of those like lightning in a bottle type opportunities for them, and they just rode it all the way through to the World Series. Uh, I do want to talk a little bit about the NL Central. Let's take a break, Gino, and we'll come back and talk about each of the central divisions in baseball for a little bit. Stay with us. We will be right back.
0: channel Listen into to The Revolution with Jim and Trav this week as our panel of pros talk about multi-species habitat, developing a roadmap for property management in the coming months, the tireless work of game wardens, and classic barbecue cuisine. Joining the boys is Mark Drury from Winchester and Drury's Natural Born, plus Evan Pittman of Wardens and Weber grill master Kevin Coleman. The Revolution is presented by Outdoor Channel, Sportsman Channel, World Fishing Network, and My Outdoor TV. Saturdays at 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern on the Voice America Variety Channel. this is the mike abadir show if you want to call in today we can be reached at 1-866-472-5788 that's 1-866-472-5788 or send an email to mike at the mike abadir show.com now back to this week's program back here to close things out on the mike abadir show so mike
1: um we were talking baseball but i i You had mentioned uh, a few things that you want to hit on and and not forget that we touch on, and I think the CBA and then a little bit of March Madness. Why don't you you give your your CBA thoughts first?
2: Yeah, well, it's pretty simple. The uh, NFL's labor situation might be stabilized. Um, The owners have put out a proposal that's been negotiated with the players, um, so the owners and and the, the union have worked something out and both both sides preliminarily agree on it. It's gone to the NFL Players Association's executive council, as well as the uh, player reps from each of the teams, and it's gone through that process and it's been approved. So the next step is to send it to membership, meaning the active players that are members of the union, they get a chance to vote. So this vote is being conducted as we speak, And the, since some players, you know, will go to the Bahamas for a few days or whatever, they're giving all the members up until the 12th. So, one week from today to be able to submit a vote. If two thirds say yes, we've got a deal for the next 10 years. So, that's the latest on the CBA negotiations. And um, we talked a little bit about some of the highlights. Last week. So don't want to spend too much time on it right now. Just keep in mind that this would bring about approval on a 17th game and, uh, more playoff football. So once the deals finalized and it's been approved, you know, by next week's show, we'll be able to talk about that a little bit. So that's the latest on that, Gino. It'll be nice to know that we've got labor peace. You never want to be a year out from thinking, you know what, could we lose a season? Could a lockout. we lose a happiness? No, a season? yeah. You know, could we have an eight-game season or any crap like that? So that's never overall confused.
1: But especially when like football over the last like the lockouts and stuff were some of the things that drove people away in baseball and in the NBA and yeah. in the NBA also you sure. know for a few years i think it really just turned off a lot of the fans thinking oh you're telling me that the players and and the the mil- the billionaire you know owners can't come to a deal about who's going to get a little bit more or who's going to get a little it, it just for someone who makes 40 50 60,000 a year you know like the average person out there they get turned off when they hear the money stuff Absolutely. and this and that. Like, it's just like, what world are they living in? So it's just, it's never, ever a positive ever, especially when your, your sport has been really doing well and has kind of taken over as like America's new pastime.
2: Without a doubt. I'm I'm always of the mentality that when, when you're quabbling, you know, with, amongst, you know, millionaires and your billionaires, selves. just split the difference and call it a day because you you owe it to the fans to never, ever miss a game why because these guys support you without without the fans without the general public without the consumer buying tickets watching on television enjoying their merchandising they don't have a sport they don't have an opportunity to become these millionaires that we're talking about so you owe it to them to never take that away from the table if you take it for granted and you take it away i don't care if it's for five minutes or for five games or for an entire season, you deserve the ramifications. And you probably don't deserve to have everybody come back. And I know some people that left baseball and never came back never came after back. the 94 strike. Never. And they've stuck to it. And I'm but sure the same right? Yeah. fans, <laughs> Yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. So uh, it's, good. it's good to have labor peace. I really hope that the players vote for it. Um, most of the ones that I know did There's a few high-profile players like Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers, who, and and also Cam Jordan from the Saints, who voted against it. Um, And I think that kind of goes to show you maybe some of the differences of opinion based on money and how much people are making. And the guys that are at the top tier, I think, view the proposal a little bit differently than... uh, the rest of the league. Let's just put it to you that way. And hey, let's face it, as much as everybody thinks that, you know, the NFL, that every player is set for life and has got generational wealth playing the game of football, that just simply not the case. It's just not the truth. It, it kind of mirrors anything else in life, uh, like real estate agents. They say the top 15% or 20% sell 80% of the homes. You know, Typically, in any kind of environment, 10 to 20 percent, it's usually a 90-10, 80-20 type of relationship in sales or in a lot of other arenas. You know, a small number of people do a majority of the volume. Small number of people in this country are wealthy. And then there's everybody else. It's the same thing in the NFL. Top 15 percent make 85 percent of the money or, you know, or a tremendous amount of the money. Everybody else gets the best of the rest. So when you're talking about a vote in this situation, you know, I think it's going to pass because once again, maybe the guys at the very top don't benefit that greatly, but everybody else will. So hopefully that'll be the case and uh, we'll seal the deal on this thing by the same time exactly seven days from now, Gino. Let's talk a little bit of March Madness because the biggest storyline around the world right now is the coronavirus. Yeah. And there is a uh, serious talk. It's not just rumor, but there's serious talk because these games are held indoors in arenas that are packed like sardines. With a lot of people in close proximity to one another for the sake of the players, the players, families, the referees, the broadcasters and the public at large. There is serious consideration about playing these games the entire tournament in front of no fans. Could you imagine
1: They've been so they've started to do things like this um, already in Asia Uh, they did this in Japan Um, they did this in um, in Europe in a couple different places I've seen it it was crazy in Japan they were running they had um, they were running the races at the track with no fans there was no fans in the stands nobody was allowed in
2: but they still ran the races which is crazy. Somebody wisecracking, saying, "Isn't that aqueduct every Yeah, thing? no, you're, so, exactly, you know, but. exactly,
1: exactly, <laughs> and um, and they've they've done. Um, uh, there was a, a soccer game or two that was played without anyone in the in the stands, and this is starting to happen now. Um, I mean. Just a, right now, I just saw a tweet come through, like right as we were starting our show, Lowell High School in San Francisco closed because a relative of a student tested positive for coronavirus. All
2: activities canceled. School closed tomorrow as well. Well, I've got some news, too, uh, when, from from that elk. If, uh, if for any of our listeners that remember one of um, our contest winners uh, from the NFL playoff pick Will Fami. he joined our show on yep. the air live a couple of weeks ago. And uh, he's a teacher. He's a teacher at a school in San Jose. Uh, I'm not sure if I'm supposed to name it or not, so I'll just uh, leave that out of out of the uh, mix for now. But there is a parent of a student that has a coronavirus. So this actually is hitting very close to home for me because, you know i'm uh, I'm close with will and and uh, it's kind of a scary time for him. And he's got two children, two, uh, two, two little boys at home. And um, it's kind of a scary situation. So this is kind of the world that we live in now, Gino. I mean, they, I, I been saw the about it with the Olympics.
1: High. They've been it, already yeah. brainstorming, like not brainstorming, but like talking about what Maybe are they going to do, you, right? What are they going to do when when everybody has to travel to Japan for this? I mean, what what are you going to do when you have that many people? Uh, it's starting to become an, an actual like a, a big issue. I mean I just heard of uh, a middle school in Monrovia, you know, which is two cities over for me in Temple City where I live, you know right right there right next to Santa Anita racetrack where there was a coronavirus and it, it's it's very, very strange to see games and sporting events being played without fans. It's like an eerie, spooky it's feeling. very
2: eerie spooky. Um, when but you it's know like, what the alternative is. In canceling. Italy, they've just canceled the games. Just canceling, yeah. I think they've canceled through May, and then they're going to revisit it and figure it out, And which kind of sucks also. Could you because if we're all going to be stuck at home, we want to be able to watch something.
1: Oh, I know. And could you imagine for the Olympics, you're someone who's trained your entire life to have this small window where, you know, it's not like… Baseball, basketball, football, where it's like, up. Well, there's next year. No, no, there's four years, and some of you, by the time the next Olympics come around, you're out of your athletic prime. You know, you're too old, or maybe you're not old enough, or whatever, whatever it may be, you're not. You know, you're not going to get that opportunity. So, man, this this is just like this is a massive, massive story out
2: there. Not not to mention, you know, I, I I I mean, I know a lot of athletes who will tell me firsthand that they feed off of the, the crowd. crowd. They feed the adrenaline. Of that energy.
1: It's an extra when you get tired, when Absolutely. you when you want
2: to stop and you hear everyone picking you up and you, you just kind of harder to dig down deep. Guys. Yes. So it's kind of a, you know, like I said, this is kind of a, you know, I, I really hope that this is one of those things that's overblown because of the great potential that it's got, but that it never lives up to that potential that potential being of of spreading globally um at a, at a very fast pace um but you know with with that said um i don't know i don't want to necessarily say it's uh, been biblically prophesized and and necessarily go go down those roads but I suspect stuff like this is uh, going to be a little bit more frequent because we're starting to see it be a little bit more frequent, frequent with more dangerous strains of the flu and with the Ebola a few years ago and E. coli and mad cow. You know, we didn't hear a lot about all this kind of stuff, you know, 15, 20 years ago. So something's going on out there and I don't know what it is, but I don't like it. Now, I know we only have a,
1: a couple of minutes left, so um... One thing that would be cool, Mike We're in Southern California And we're talking about March Madness right now And, and, and NCAA and, and just as far as getting getting there It would be a lot of fun if both of the local teams could get in There is a huge game on Saturday This weekend Right now, UCLA and USC are both in They are both on the inside of the bracket Looking out um, USC, I think, is one of the last four buys UCLA is, is right in there they're, they're between 9 and 12 seeds, depending on where you see them So They play each other on Saturday in what has almost become like a virtual play-in game for the tournament. It's like whoever wins this game has basically secured themselves a spot in where the other team, they might have to win two games in the Pac-12 or maybe win the Pac-12 tournament to get in. So we got a huge game in Southern California on Saturday, and it's going to be on national TV too. It's at 12.15 Pacific time on CBS,
2: which is really good for the conference. Well, it sounds like that's like a must-watch for any college basketball fan, especially on the West Coast, especially Pac-12 fans. Anyways, Gino, that's all the time that we've got for this week's show. Uh, we will resume the conversation about the American League and the National League Central, more baseball talk next week. Enjoy your sports weekend, everyone. Please come back and listen to us same time, same place next week. Thanks for listening. Have a great one.